1: Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
2: I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
3: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. We're doing a very special show at the Food and Enterprise Conference out in Industry City in Brooklyn. And we've got a, a special mentor, Randall Graham uh, from Bonnie Dune, who's now also making cider. And we're joined by our co-hosts today, Kay Michaels and Gay Howard from the United States of Cider. So welcome to the show, guys. We're, we're going to taste some uh, some cider, some of Randall's and some other ones that that Gay and Kay brought. What did you guys bring for ciders today?
4: Well, we brought quite a selection. We have uh, Bonnie Dunes Winter Nellis Sparkling Perry. We also have Bonnie Doon's Query, which is a blend of apple, quince, and pear. Mm -hmm. So you've got the three palm fruits. We have the Eric Bordelais Poire Granite. And we have the Sidonia Cider from Germany and New York's own Aaron Burr with their Homestead Perry well, well, excellent. Porch. I'm, I'm hey. always
3: happy to be with Gay and k because they do their research; they really know their stuff. But Randall Graham, I first tried your stuff over 20 years ago in New York City. Michael Skernick distributed to you. I still remember it. Claude Gilroy, yes, the old Telegram, the Cigar Volant, some of my favorite wines. Oh, thanks. So you, you've kind of grown up, and now you're uh, you're doing cider. <laughs>
5: I'm not sure if that's growing up or regressing, <laughs> possibly regressing <laughs> back to the back to the playground. Um, I'm just trying to have some fun. As well as, of course, making it a very serious and sober product. But fun is very important. Yes.
2: I'd like to hear that.
3: Well, you guys, <laughs> so, uh, you guys did a little research, and, and, and you saw that Randall was coming to the conference today.
4: Absolutely. And yeah.
3: uh, tell us a bit about that backstory.
4: Well, when I saw that both you and Randall were here, it seemed like the perfect time to talk cider and get a cider sessions recording going. And since Randall is working with all three palm fruits, pears, quince, and apples, we brought an assortment of ciders that deal with those fruits. So well, it won't Let's, be let's
3: just pop air. them and let's taste. And I said, usually we do a beer session show. We mostly do mm-hmm. beer. But we started doing a bunch of cider session shows as well that will air. There will be some special airings on Fridays on the Heritage Radio Network. And I think that Gay and Kay and I will be doing quite a few of these this year. We
4: hope
3: so. So, so Randall, you know, um, I know you're sense. a big talker. You know, Clota Gilroy, <laughs> and you were the Roan Ranger and in, in inspired so many people. You inspired me because I was mostly drinking Kermit Lynch, grown in Languedoc Lines, you know, 20 years ago. Um, just just say some things. First, how, how's the conference going for you?
5: So far, so good. Um, lovely people, really nice people. Um, uh, you never know, this is kind of sowing a field. You're never sure what's going what's to emerge from the field. But I've uh, just met some just wonderful people. And uh, still early, this is my first day here, so the night is young. Yeah. And what what made you get into cider? Um, Good question. Um, You know, it's it's a little complicated, but the wine business is, uh, in the new world, in California, I should say, the the California wine business is a little bit, um, reached, I think, an, an impasse. It's not sure, I should say, I'm not sure where Papa. the California wine industry is going to go. We've sort of painted ourselves into a little bit of a corner. And uh, I want to ultimately produce products that have real sustainability and real long-term viability, not just um, <clears throat> craze, craze du jour. Um, cider is quite interesting. I'm ultimately interested in growing uh, our own fruit for cider. Uh, right now I'm purchasing fruit. Um which is a more, more uh, practical way of doing it. But it's, it's got its own set of problems, as we can talk about, because in California we generally don't grow varieties that are suitable for cider. We grow table fruit. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers.
3: So you guys pulled out a, a, one of the rare New York ciders,
5: Aaron Burr. I am so excited about tasting this, I can't tell you.
2: Yeah, that's why I opened this one first, because I knew that something you probably hadn't had before, and something, you something know, we're really interested in here.
3: Mm. Randall, if, if yeah. you're around this weekend, mm. if, if you get a chance to come to East Village, Jimmy's number 43, mm. we've got quite a few very interesting, like West County from Massachusetts, a mm. bunch of Aaron Burr, and, and some other stuff. That sounds great, that sounds
5: great. You're not closed on the Sabbath? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know these, every state has their own funny laws about these things so. we
3: definitely drink on the Sabbath okay, in cool. New York New York's pretty great about that but I really want to talk more about California because you know first you've got certain fruits you can work with and second of all you're probably not getting as many European or East Coast ciders or is that not
5: true? we don't get East Coast ciders to speak of uh, at all we get some we get the Bordelais ciders thank goodness um and, you know, we, we don't really have yet much of a cider culture in California. We have a wine culture and a beer culture, so cider is still very um, incipient. We're going to change that, if we can.
3: Very good. Well, what do you think of this, Aaron Burr? Which one is this, Kay? Kay. This is the
0: pear.
4: The it's, pear. The, it's the Homestead Perry, and it's made mm-hmm. from all wild and foraged apples, so these aren't grown commercially or conventionally. I love it. I mean, it's
3: everything that cider should be to me. And I, I do. Lovely. Uh, I That's like lovely. the alcohol content yeah. too. I mean, you know, getting older, I find a lot of people are, are choosing cider. You know, when cider we started in New York, mm-hmm. very quickly our cider sales eclipsed our wine sales. Interesting. And that was four or five years ago. My gosh. And then okay, so um, you know, tell us more about your. You have any questions for Randall? Well,
4: I guess I'd like to hear more. <clears throat> Obviously, you've had years of experience dealing with all different kinds of wine grapes. What's yes. it like making the transition to a completely different fruit that is still fermented but...
5: Right. Well, you know, actually, I think in my case, I was, I am uniquely lucky, and I've used essentially the winemaking model um, to, for cider. And the reason for that is that, I, with the ex- possible exception of Winter Nellis, uh, we don't really have single varietal pears and apples that uh, can stand alone as mm-hmm. ciders. We just don't have the right, They don't have the right balance. They don't have the right acidity and astringency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was using really the same strategy that we use in our winemaking. If you want to make a complex beverage, you blend. So we take certain fruit for astringency, for acidity, for perfume, and try to fashion something complex from these different disparate elements. And I thought that we have to go out of the individual uh, uh, plant. We have to go from pears and apples and quince, Mm -hmm. and maybe then we can get something complex.
2: Mm. You mentioned earlier that mostly what you're working with are considered table apples. Tables, Um,
5: apples, and pears, yes. Yeah,
2: tables, apples. Um, How do you feel, though, generally? I mean... Because when you, do, when you are blending, right, every table apple is mm-hmm. going to have something else. Do you feel like, th- and I know you use cr- some crab in your theory, right? We use a
5: lot of crab apples. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. it we're not for the crab, we wouldn't have the uh, structure and the astringency. Mm-hmm. And we also use, poll- well, they, the crabs are used as pollinator apples, so they're not really commercialized. Mm. And then winter nellis is not a com- is not commercialized either. They grow winter nellis for rootstock, as a pair of rootstock. And, and the reason they don't mm-hmm. use that no one harvests quinternellus is that um has thorns, big thorns that uh, pickers just don't want to touch.
2: I read that on the label. Yeah, uh, they seem to kind of disappear around harvest time. They disappear, yes. <laughs> All of a sudden I'm very busy. Did you did you have a hard time sourcing
4: fruit at first when you decided to start making cider? I mean
5: yes. were there yes challenges
4: to that process?
5: Indeed, As I said, um, the, the crab apple guys didn't want to pick it uh, because their, the fruit was too, too small, and then they, they didn't ripen until after their, their commercial fruit came in, and the pickers had were long gone. So there were a lot of logistical challenges to producing this product. And then finding quince. Um, frankly speaking, the quince in California, not so great. We had to go to Oregon to find the okay. best quince. So it's not exactly a totally Locavorian product, but uh, it's but good. You're, you're making a West Coast
3: identity. It's a West Coast. <clears throat> yeah, who, who are some of the West Coast ciders? We know Tilted Shed.
4: Tilted Shed.
2: You mm-hmm. have... Uh, Devoto. Devoto Orchards, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Wandering Angus. From Wandering Oregon. Angus. From yeah. Oregon. And then you got
3: Reverend Nats up in Oregon. Reverend it's Nats. He's kind of... Have, <laughs> you, have you met him? He's kind of no. more like... I think he's more like brewing cider than... He's very
4: experimental.
3: Yeah, he's putting pineapples in it, it and... But it's almost like he's. Bre- I feel like he's brewing cider rather than like letting cider be. You know? Yeah, I
2: think he's taking more of a a beer maker's approach. I think a little bit, and like you said, brewing. Whereas cider isn't brewed; cider is fermented. Cider just comes from the juice and the yeast and the thyme. He is kind of he's cooking a little bit. He's making recipes and throwing stuff in, which is cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But I think it is a little bit of a different approach.
3: I mean, it's it's such a, it's such a new scene. It's really exciting for us to meet all the, the new cider makers and. Trying things like you know, comparing the Aaron Burr to uh,
5: this Winter Nellis. I
3: mean, you mm-hmm. you you feel like you're a pioneer now once again, Randall?
5: I'm afraid, probably so. Um, uh, it's lonely being a pioneer, you know. It'd be nice to a few more members of the posse if, if that, were, that were possible.
4: Yeah. But the California community seems to be growing in the last few years that we've been watching what's mm. going on in the United States. It seems like that cider makers community in the California area is really there's some yeah. very serious small well, cider makers out there now. So
5: yeah, hopefully. not not so many in the Santa Cruz area. Santa Cruz is kind of a remote area, but uh, I think Mendocino and there's Sonoma mm. and Mendocino mm-hmm. is more concentration.
4: Are you going to very soon start planting fruit, do you think? We've planted
5: a little bit of fruit. Uh, We're planting just about an acre and a half of pears. um, And we've got some exotic apples some heirloom apples. So it's it's slow, but we'll get there.
4: Do you have anything in the works right now that you want to tell us a little bit about we might be seeing in the next year or two of... Ciders you're developing or um, considering, or nothing?
5: Too early? It's, it's too early. Too early till we make a real breakthrough. Um, but actually, with the other thing, I don't. This is not exactly cider, but it, um, I'm also quite interested in vinegars. I think vinegars will be the next thing. Just mark my words. Cool. For, for many of the mm-hmm. reasons why ciders are are taking off, I think vinegar, beverage mm-hmm. vinegars mm-hmm. Um, that are you cut with water, with sparkling water. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a real need for grown-up non-alcoholic beverages mm-hmm. that are complex and satisfying to taste and, and are minim- either low in alcohol. You or know what or low I make alcohol. sometimes
3: I, I you know the Bragg apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I get a sparkling water, I put, I put a dash of it, just that little dash. And a thing that's sparkling water it almost makes it taste like wine to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't need that much of a, of a really good vinegar. So I think you're on to mm-hmm. something. And for mixed cocktails, too, going to alcohol. You know, shrubs and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, tell us all. about this process. though. switchel,
2: exactly. Isn't it switchel? switchel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This,
3: I want to, this winter now. Just, just tell us about how you made this and, you know, your wine cider making.
5: Well, this is approach. actually a méthode champenoise. So um, the the... We make a pear wine. We uh, mill the pears and press the pears. Uh, pears are tricky. They're they're, they're very. Um, there's a lot of pectin in pears. They're hard to settle. Uh, so we, we try to get very clear juice. The only reason I know about any of these things is years ago we used to make a V. We made a pear V. So I used to work with pears, and they're um, they're tricky. They're um, they're very tricky. So anyways, um, we make a pear wine. We try to make very clean. We rack it. Successively, um, and fermented to dryness, and then uh, re-inoculate it. Add a little bit of sugar to to in- initiate the secondary fermentation, and then um, uh, bottle fermented, alla Champagne wise.
3: Great. I mean, when, when I opened it, you could hear the pop. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it, it definitely taking the winemaker's approach to this. It, 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 some so, Like we said, some cider makers seem like they're brewing their mm-hmm. cider. Others are making more of like an English style. Um, well, this is great, man. Cheers to you. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
4: Mm-hmm. Cheers, all. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, there's a couple of American Perrys that we've had in uh, New York. Um, what is it? It's... Uh,
4: I think uh, Eve's. Eve's. Cider I He yeah. does Perry. a Perry. Mm-hmm. Perry Burr. And then
3: otherwise, we pretty much had mostly French.
4: I think Shin Estates does what they call a pear wine, a pear wine, but it's, yeah. and it's from, from Long Fork. Island fruit. But yeah, I but it's, it's still it's not it's not really it's more like mm-hmm. a wine than yes. a sparkling mm-hmm. wine. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the thing I noticed about both these two, because now we've had the Aaron Burr right next to the the uh, the Ellis is they do have this sort of real leniency. It's a real restrained quality, um, but. The fruit acid balance is there, and there's, like, the salinity comes through, too, and that seems to be consistent with both these two. I think the aromatics are slightly different.
5: I covet that, the aromatics of the Aaron Burr. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
5: not pretty, but I do. Well, it comes down to the fruit. Salinity. I mean, you
3: know this about mm-hmm. grapes. I mean, he is he's finding, you know, some, some land that he owns, the trees go back to Aaron Burr. Mm-hmm. That's the name. Mm-hmm. You know, at least over 200 years ago. So there are trees like that in, in the Northeast, and we know, guys, Farnham Hill in, in New Hampshire, yeah, sure. up by the Finger Lakes, is a lot of patches. There's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of patches of just wild, wild apple trees in yeah, the Finger Lakes.
4: People are out looking for them and trying to redevelop and rediscover those lost orchards. And
3: what do you guys look for? I mean, innovative. in your blog, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you you brought all these ciders. You're probably tasting more ciders than anyone I know. What are you looking for?
4: I think we're really interested in the story and the the history Mm -hmm. of the fruit and then what the cider maker is doing with that fruit and how the terroir is expressed. Mm -hmm. It's probably those aspects. Because
2: every good cider has a really good story behind it. That's true. I mean, obviously, mostly... has it taste good right I I, mean I think so often in food we talk about all these other properties but we forget that the the first thing is that sensual that initial sensual pleasure that you get does it taste good and then what does it make you think and wonder about after that and that's the thing that like you just said Gay a cider good cider usually has a pretty good story and it makes you kind of want to find out well where did it come from
3: that's awesome hey we're going to take a short break we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio
1: In 2006, El and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. It's a little bit,
3: hey, hey, hey. It's Welcome back bit. to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special recording at the Food and Enterprise Conference in Brooklyn. Randall Graham, winemaker, and now cider maker from Bonnie Dune is here with us. So you're having a great conversation. Here's a cider that inspires you. Go for it, Randall.
5: Well, Eric Bordelais is my hero. I admire him so much. He's genius. He's, clear in my opinion, just running circles around almost everyone else. And I met Eric. Oh, probably ten years ago. He came to visit me with uh, Didier Dagonel, and I don't know if you know know Didier, winemaker. Late the late Didier was genius winemaker. Maybe maybe one of the greatest white winemakers in France. And um, he taught Eric about winemaking or cider making. Uh, Eric's background was was as a sommelier. Anyways, is this crazy or what? unbelievable? Un- knows. Unbelievable. So one of the things I say about this the cider, which is the Poiret granite, uh, is that not only does it have ter- terroir, it has pearwar.
4: It does smell like pearwar. I'll
5: tell you that. I mean, you can actually s- smell the, the granite, the granitic aspect. It's such complex cider, and so, it's
3: so perry. such so mm-hmm. the essence of pear. So this is one that really just turns you
5: on. Again, makes me so jealous. I just can't stand it. I love this cider. Yeah, it's it's a, really beautiful. It's really extraordinary.
3: I mean, what are you going to do out there? I mean, you're in California. You don't have a lot of old fruit. Correct. Office, you know,
5: you got to plant. Do you? You have to have the intention of making a product, and I think you have to start from square one in California. You have to plant the plant the, the pears and farm them intensively. So dry farming perhaps, we can dry farm or minimally irrigate in San Juan which is a cool site and get very intense fruit. I'm convinced of it, I'm sure of it.
3: Have you started identifying which fruits will do better in your climate?
5: Well, historically the area was very well known for pears and apples. Um, There's still a lot of apples in Watsonville. but I think, uh, again, it's been table fruit. No one, no one has grown pears or apples for cider in God only knows how long—probably a hundred years.
2: Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the expression "pears for heirs," which refers to the length of time that oh, we've spent <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> yeah, that the pear fruit, well, that pear tree will bear fruit that is um, viable for a, for a pear. Right? Are mm-hmm. you? like how long do you think Darn you just told me about this. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> had told me about this before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean so are you thinking, you know, long term?
5: Well, we you have to think long term. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it, it's hard to really um, justify this economically. I mean, it, mm-hmm. orchards. I love vineyards, but I really love orchards. I think mm-hmm. orchards are so Exquisite, they're meditative, they're inspiring. There's. There, it, it's an organic form. So I love the, the organic form of the tree, uh, not the, mm-hmm. the rows and the, and the wires and trellising and things like that. I, I, I love the organic form. Although I also like espaliated form too. The espaliated form is also super cool. You can't go wrong with, with fruit trees, especially pears <laughs> and apples. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress.
4: You're supposed to, we're, yeah. we're, ta- <laughs> <laughs> we're talking yeah. about
5: Eric. So, anyways, let me, I'll tell you about. Well, this is a little bit of risk risque story, but there you there you have it. Eric and, and uh, Didier came to visit many many years ago, and uh, I took him on a tour of the winery. They they loved the wines. We went out to lunch at a Chinese restaurant just down the street from the winery, and. Uh, Didier and Eric, I learned subsequently, have a long history of playing jokes on one another and trying to crack each other up and daring each other to do one outlandish thing after another. I was only privy to see one. I heard about other ones subsequently, but I was, only, I was privy to see one in, up close. We're sitting, we're sitting down at the table, and there's a very attractive woman sitting at the table next to us wearing a very tight T-shirt and Didier says to Eric, I'll give you a hundred bucks. If you can um, persuade her to give you her t-shirt, hundred bucks. And he takes he opens his wallet, big, big stack of hundred dollar bills. I don't know why mm-hmm. he had needed so many hundred dollar bills, but puts it, throws it on the table. Eric, who probably spoke ten words of English at the time, had the sh- he's a very handsome, dashing, elegant Frenchman. I think it took him about three minutes.
3: <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what he Nobody said. Knows. <laughs> Nobody knows.
5: Didier gave him 100 bucks. He was thrilled. He was just, this was, he thought, anyways. So I went to see uh, Eric last summer, the first time I had been to see him in his, in his place. He showed me his distillery. And he showed me the, the pear trees from which these, these come. And the most beautiful thing that I saw there. Is he Remember, Eric is in New tired. He's making cider that no one has ever made before. He's making a style of cider that no one's ever made before. In each room of his cidery, he had a picture of Didier. And you could see, mm-hmm. you know, he's, solving, he's trying to solve problems that no one's ever solved before, and there's no mm-hmm. template. There's no instructions manual. So you could see... He, was, he would sort of meditate. You know, what would Didier do? I've got this mm-hmm. problem. How would Didier solve this problem? It was just beautiful to see that mm-hmm. continuity of uh, of uh, tradition, if you will.
3: Well, I love I love that you guys found this this pair too. Where did you get it in New York City?
4: We actually were able to get this at Master Wine and Spirits. I think you can also get it at Ledoux Wine in, in the New West York. In,
3: yeah. So there's a pretty mm-hmm. good, for, on the retail end, there's a pretty good hard cider scene the in New York, right? cider's becoming
4: more mm-hmm. and more accessible, and the varieties that are available mm-hmm. are beyond the commercially produced ciders now. Yeah,
2: I've even seen the Eric Bordelais in the wilds of New Jersey. I mean... <laughs> well, so that's progress. <laughs> it's it's getting out there. <laughs> it's getting out there. there we go. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
5: no, I, I love this. I think this is the greatest thing he does. He also does apple... And when I went to see him, he poured me some older vintages of the apple cider Mm -hmm. that was probably 10 or 12 years old. And one doesn't normally think of cider aging. Right. His apples ciders age brilliantly. Mm -hmm. They take on a a different aspect, almost more of like a baked apple quality. Mm -hmm. Very complex and very interesting when they're 10, 12 years old.
4: Yeah, I think very few people are are doing anything with aging ciders. We did have that older Kingston Black from West Country actually yeah. but Iowa, that was States. an accident but it was an unintentional it was from yeah. but it was yeah. 2009
3: they still had it last fall mm-hmm. single varietal mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. Right? crazy mm-hmm. this is like East Coast cider buddy watch out <laughs> 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 well we grew up in the shadow of West Coast wine for so long I mean it was like if you weren't getting French it was it had to be California and right. there was so much great I mean can we talk about their own ranges for a minute oh sure <laughs> so who were they it was you
5: Jim from
3: Auburn Clermont. Well, I was not Jim. Bob, no.
5: Bob Linquist from Coupe. Coupe. Uh, Steve Edmonds. Edmonds St. John. Yeah. St. John. <clears throat> um, I guess Lou Preston was kind of a kind of a round ranger. Um, Topless guys got involved a little bit later on. Um it was Linquist. Uh, there was a guy called John Um... A couple of others, but it was a small group. It was not a big, not a. Big For many group years, group. it
3: was like a, my book ended. Wine list was Edmund
5: St. John, and Bonnie Dune. Yeah, he he's making really good wines, really good wines. Parker hates his, hates his wines, but they're they're really
3: good. Well, that's it's something like I like about the cider scene. There's there's no Robert Parker defining. Defining it in beer, there's there's no beer advocate giving hundred or there are all these once these once these industries kind of like get established, somebody's got a rating system and you got to get a ninety five or a ninety eight to get on people's list. And I don't want that's what I like about the cider scene. It's right. very fresh. Even uh, Greg Hall, who had been the the brewer from uh, Goose Island, he opened mm-hmm. up Virtue and mm-hmm. seeing a lot of people cross over now too. But the, the big issue is the fruit. Um, mm-hmm. Have you had any of the Oliver? Uh, he has a perry nope. and a cider from England. It's, it's a very small batch, and we've talked to him a few times. And Tom Oliver says, "Well, for, for this apples, the apples fruits, you got to have a good tree is thirty years, mm-hmm. but for really good perry, which is, I think he makes the best English perry, mm-hmm. it's fifty years. Oh my God! So you're <laughs> <laughs> you're talking grandchildren
5: the there, cryogenic <laughs> here. Um, yes. Oh dear." I wish somebody had told me earlier. Hairs for find
4: its different in the United States. Oh,
5: d- I Maybe I there's something
2: not. special in that California I soil. Think not. I
5: think <laughs> not. I have a feeling you're
3: you to mm. something, though, because I mean, how did you do it when, when you started with the wine? Did, did you have your your vineyard first, and you had fruit, or were you also always buying?
5: I did both fruit? simultaneously. Um, I mean, the, the the irony or the 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 issue in California is that if you this is the paradox. If you want to do something truly great and truly outstanding and original, you have to do it yourself from scratch, which also means risking failure. So it's like it's like you got to take a big swing, which means you're either going to hit it out of the park or you're going to strike out. That's, you know, so, or alternately, you can play it safe by buying grapes And you're going to get a single, but you're not going to get a home run. You're going to get a single, if you're lucky. So I did both. And uh, I started out with Pinot Noir, and I I struck out. Just completely struck out. Not good. But, luckily... I don't think I ever tried your Pinot Noir. No, thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Um, Luckily, it was actually (coughs) Kermit who turned me on to Rhone wines. And uh, nobody knew anything about Rhone wines at the Mm -hmm. time. And so... I had this idea. Well, maybe Rome grapes would be interesting in California. So I mm-hmm. found some older vineyards of Grenache and some old Morved, and uh, that was that was Cigar Vermont. But it was thank goodness I found this because otherwise I would have been just shit out of luck with uh, with the Pinot Noir.
3: And where were they? I mean, which in your area or just throughout California? Well, the there was orange? one that was
5: located close to Gilroy. Uh, <laughs> That's
3: to <laughs> <laughs> Gilroy. to Gilroy. Gilroy.
5: There you go. It's pretty
3: cool for me that um, this this show came together because again, when I first started in the business, I, I the reason I got into it I read Kermit Lynch's adventure on the wine route, and I started because I got interested in wine and Kermit Lynch's wines, and then Randall's at Bonnie Doon award- turned me on, and uh, through that I was tasting spirits and, and beer, and uh, here we are today, 22 years later, with, with Gay and Kay who are like the forefront of uh, you know cider blogging, and who else is right? I mean we know Chris Crystal Hall for serious eats. Who else is really writing regularly about cider?
4: There seem to be more and more people every day, which is great. A lot of Mm -hmm. new voices. Tom Wark. Tom Wark, Cider Journal. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric West. Eric West at Cider Guide, yes. He's got a lot of things going on. He's podcasting now. He has Mm -hmm. his his website. Mm -hmm. Cider with Maria is a very interesting blog uh, talking about both European cider traditions and American. So I think every day we're seeing more and more people jump into the uh, cider sphere.
3: Which when you know, you're up there in, in, in California, Randall, you know who do you go for advice? I mean, are there, you know, supply shops Are there are there cuttings to get? <laughs> you know, we, we hear. I know Steve Wood in Farm Hill says mm-hmm. he's shipping cuttings and even juice to to new Across cideries all over the country.
5: Um, no one really to talk to. Um, I mean, you talk to old timers um, who can give you advice about pressing pressing apples and pressing pears. So that's been you know, people who, who are in the uh, t- uh, table cider, uh, not the hard cider business. Um, there's an interesting, there's a really interesting resource in Oregon. I believe it's in Corvallis called the National Germplasm Repository. Which sounds like something mm-hmm. out of Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Of course, Gay knows it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Miss Joseph Postman is the curator, and they have a collection of pears and apples and quints. And if you ask them nicely, I, I happened to ask, accidentally ask them nicely, and they let me come and visit. And I spent two days just wandering through a thousand pear trees. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beyond cool. So I, mean, I was in heaven.
4: And you mean mm-hmm. a
2: thousand different, different varieties. varieties? Yeah, a T- thousand so different like, varieties of pears. Mind-boggling. Yes. And is that because earlier you mentioned that you're starting to grow some yes. apples that are heritage varieties? Is that how you did your research and how you uh, selected which varieties you decided to grow?
5: That was one one reason. You know, mm-hmm. one way I went and tasted as many as I could without mm-hmm. getting sick, and. <laughs> um, and then, of course, red. Because they don't all, all
2: taste good when you on their Well, own. you, you yeah. can all, the other thing is they
5: also don't ripen at the same time. So right. you go on a given day, some of them yeah. are, are ready, some of them are not ready. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's in Oregon. Uh, one doesn't know how, exactly how they're going to perform in California. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, a good, it's a good place to start. Um, really, not, at least in California, not very many people know anything about the subject, it's very arcane. It's very arcane.
3: I know last year in cider week, Chris we yes. wanted to do a East Coast versus West Coast cider night, mm-hmm. and we really couldn't get that many West Coast ciders. But Reverend Nat did come out, and we, we had some of his his product. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a different East Coast and West Coast. But you know, on the East Coast we don't have that many. I mean, you know, you've got some Virginia. I mean, we we know right. who we like. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know if, if if Randall's tried them all. Why don't you name some of your top East Coast ciders and see if Randall's have tried them.
2: Well, Aaron Burr is always Aaron at the top, the, the, list. List, always the top of the list. Always at the top of the list. West County. West County is, is great. Millstone in Maryland is doing really interesting really things interesting. right now.
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Eve Cidering, it makes some really lovely cider. Consistently good. There's a lot of mm-hmm. great Foggy Ridge. Foggy Ridge in Ridge. Virginia. Have, Alamon, you have you had that Virginia? one? None.
3: I've never seen yeah. it. <laughs> you got to come out to the there's, now there's Cider Week New York City. There's Cider Week Finger Lakes. There's Cider Week yeah. Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, cider Week Hudson
2: Valley, and Hudson Valley too. And, yeah, so
5: <laughs> you could spend four weeks of the year out here. Right.
2: And Farnham Hill we didn't mention. Farnham I do know Hell, Farnham Hill. Yeah, that's an
5: artif- I just happen yeah. to know Farnham Hill. But-
3: and then we get mm-hmm. e- also Eden in uh, yep. Vermont too. Vermont? Yeah. So actually, that's of terms of interesting ciders. There's ice cider.
5: There's ice cider in um, Eden Quebec. Does ice Eden. cider,
4: and well, in Quebec
5: it's uh, neige. Neige, yeah. yes, yes. killer. Mm. Killer. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Very no, good. I, I,
4: I
3: had a Belgian started. customer come in the other day, and he wanted to see my list of ice ciders. And I told <laughs> him the only one we have is Eden. Yeah. And he said he already had that. So, <laughs> hey, we're we'll taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sasser's Week. Hey, hey, hey. So. Welcome back to Beer Sessions mm-hmm. Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors. They actually have a great lineup of ciders from Virtue, Farnham Hill, and Docks. They're really one of the best distributors for beer and cider in New York City, Union Beer Distributors. All right, we're at the Food and Enterprise Conference. Thanks to Heritage Beer Network, our, our sponsor and network. They're here in full force. We're doing a special show with Randall Graham and the United States of Cider. So we're talking about ice ciders now. So I've had the Eden from uh, Vermont, and I was saying that just the other day a a Belgian customer came in and said, you know, don't you have a list of of ice ciders by the glass? And uh, what would you answer to that?
4: Well, I think there are a handful around the United States. Um, Foggy Ridge does a really lovely ice cider. I know that Mm -hmm. Teton in Washington, Mm -hmm. Titan, um, does an ice cider. and. I think there's probably half, at least a dozen. I just don't know them off the top. Would ahead. you expect
3: to get an ice setter by the glass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certain restaurants, I would think, like maybe a yeah. New York Northern Spa or even a Gramercy Tavern, yeah. might have like the Eden by the glass. That's the only. But I, haven't way seen I, would it, I haven't seen to a full it. list of American um, ice cider.
4: That's maybe a couple years away.
2: Where if I was, I was somewhere recently where they had an ice cider on the glass. I think maybe the Modern. They have a nice cider. I expect that, too. Yeah. But now yeah. we're on to the query. Yes,
3: tell us about this. This does taste like quince, Randall.
5: Yeah, thank you. Um, it's got
2: some pretty good aromatics in it.
5: Better yeah. living through quince.
2: Better living through quince. <laughs> I love it. Quince is so interesting
4: and mm-hmm.
3: quirky. Is that on the label, Randall? Or uh, somewhere. I just made that up. Better living
5: through quince. <laughs> no, you just made that up, actually.
3: <laughs>
4: no,
5: quince is a misunderstood fruit. Many people don't know about quince, which is their loss... Um, quince is, of course, the secret ingredient—not so secret—in this in this product, and that's what gives it its big uh, aromatic uh, quality. Um, the problem with quince, as you know, it's a it's a it's a pom fruit, but it's very different than pears and apples. Pears and apples actually have juice inside. Quince has like very little. So pears and apples, when you press them, will give you a, a juice yield pretty similar to grapes. In fact, I mean a little less, but on the order of grapes, about 140, 150 gallons per ton. Quince has about 25 gallons per ton, if that. It's very dry. Um, So it was a little bit of a logistical question. How would we get the quince character into the the cider? So what we did is we um, uh, milled the quince, put them in muslin bags, and then... Suspended them in the tank with the pear and apple juice as it fermented, like a tisane. So, we made like a tea of quince. And then, when it was quincy enough, we we pulled the bags out. So, in beer, it would
3: be like hops you or something? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It is. I mean, talk about you creating a whole new style of West Coast cider. I'm like, this is it.
4: It's pretty representative. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It's only what? How much? What percentage of uh, quince is in this? It's like two well, percent? That's an artifact.
5: It's actually more than that. It, it was a computational kind of thing. It's actually more... from um, On a per-gallon basis, that's probably what it was, but from a volume standpoint, it was probably four times that, five times. It was maybe 10% quince.
3: Yeah, who, who wants to try to tackle the, the flavor profile of this quince query timer? Hey Michaels?
2: Michael? Um, sure, sure, I'll take it.
5: Good luck <laughs> <not correct. laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I think quince often... Like, what I find in this particular cider right now i'm getting some like red berry notes red fruit notes i think that's probably coming from the quince other ciders and even even just the aroma of a quince alone if you've ever had a quince and just put it on your kitchen counter and you walk by and let it smell up your kitchen over the next several days you get a lot of those type of aromas and that's what i'm getting both on the nose and um and the flavor of this it's
5: Do you think there's almost something like rosemary, mm-hmm. like an herbal, mm-hmm. yeah. Thing? yeah, savory, yeah. That savory too, right? yeah.
2: yeah? Well it does have like a savory, piney, mm-hmm. evergreen thing in there as well. Absolutely. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: but on my own, I wouldn't, I wouldn't plug this as a, I wouldn't pitch this as a cider to myself. Um, it's, it's evocative of many other comp, like pomos. Have you had pomos? Mm-hmm. Sure, of course.
5: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: there's, it's uh, definitely in the cider family. This is really fascinating. I love doing the show. This is so much fun. <laughs> so much of you guys keep bringing yeah. me all these ciders. It's, it's poor this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. One yeah. thing with this microphone, we're in this like giant hall here at the mm-hmm. Industry City in Brooklyn, and it picks up like every time I, we pour the this cider, or the little clinks you can hear everything. So it's so.
4: as though the audience is there. Yes, so I hope whoever's like listening. listening is, yeah. film. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I, I hope. hope- ahead no I'm just I just
4: like to talk a little bit or have Randall talk a little bit Mm -hmm. about what he thinks about cider and
5: food Mm. as it turns out cider is actually totally brilliant with food Mm -hmm. with a whole range of food um the same way champagne is brilliant with a lot of food um obviously with quince one of the classic combinations is cheese Mm -hmm. manchego one thinks of immediately um but, you know, Asian food, cider is a wonderful uh, foil for, for Asian food. Maybe some of the lighter ciders. This is maybe a little bit astringent, but some of the, the you know, the Eric's uh, poiree would be fantastic mm. with Asian food, as, you know, as you'd use mm. a sparkling water champagne. So things things are a little mm. spicy, sweet, I think work
2: really well. spicy yeah, contrast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So what would be a particular dish, Kay, that might go with this query?
4: Pork with cheese. Pork. Perhaps. Also,
5: pork gonna, is the natural yeah. always with pork. You, always <laughs> pork. Can't, can't, can't go beat wrong. Cider
4: and pork. No. No.
2: It's perfect. There. Mm. Maybe like a, yeah.
3: some kind of quiche.
2: Mm. I'm, I'm hungry right now. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quiche I Lorraine? Actually yeah. a quiche Lorraine would be brilliant with this,
4: yeah. You mm. can have quiche. Yeah, wonderful lunch. Lunch. You should have cider at uh, Pig Island.
3: We, we have. the la- It's a, mm-hmm. a food oh, event that I produce every year in New York. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's been New York-focused. And mm-hmm. the last two years, we've gone through like 50 or 60 cases of cider. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with Roland Imports. So we, this year, we had we Astorian had mm-hmm. and some New York and, and French right. ciders. Um, people go nuts for it. And as I said, I think I have more people drinking cider now than, than wine. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I prefer to pair it now because a lot, some of the wines, and this is a side note, but... How did wine become this international style of 13% every wine tastes the same no, Slovenia. Not, mm-hmm. 14 or more 15 16 But with cider what I like is there's this 5 6% divergent styles mm-hmm. even higher or lower Yeah mm-hmm. and I don't I don't I mean it's just so funny even in beer there's a wide range but, but just to answer that question how did wine the international wine style become 13 14% Wines from all around the world I call it the shipper style they're stable. They all, many of them taste well, it's the, the criti- it's
5: the critic style. It's the critic style. Winemakers have suddenly... Here's my... I've thought about this a little bit. Um, in the old days, winemakers would say things like, I make wines to please myself. If people don't like it, you're expletive here, them. I'll <laughs> yeah. drink it myself. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that anymore because wine is now business It's expensive to make wine, it's expensive to grow grapes, and it's a business. So there's a self-consciousness about what people do, and winemakers no longer make wine to please themselves, they make wine to please very important wine critics. Wine critics have their own set of issues, and that is, it's very hard, as a wine critic, to evaluate subtle, delicate wines. It's a lot easier to identify wines that are powerful, concentrated. No wine critic wants to look like an idiot, and no wine critic wants to be inconsistent. As tasters, we are very imprecise instruments. We are very imperfect instruments. So if you want to be consistent, you you pick a style that is very clear, and that is concentrated, and that's become the de facto style. Parker, of course, Wine Spectator, they just simply review wines that have this... um, Concentrate concentration uh, effect and they're they're impressive wines but they're also undrinkable go figure mm-hmm. and the, the crazy thing is that everybody makes not everybody but virtually everyone in Napa Valley makes the same darn wine mm-hmm. the same style it's really weird and goofy
4: forgive them for they know not what they taste
3: Cheers to that. Even even in you know in beer, like there's one thing I like about the new craft beer scene is that they're identifying different styles and, and they're teaching people how to judge on a homebrew and grassroots level. People are being taught how to judge and 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 think about styles of beer. So uh, the mainstream styles are from three and a half percent to ten percent, and they go beyond that in both directions. But there's clearly identified styles within that range, and um, I think that's a great approach. And we haven't really seen that in wine. Well, the thing that's, that's so
5: cool, I mean, as human beings, we are omnivorous and we like different styles. We are intellectually stimulated by, by differences. And so we may like a, low, a lower alcohol, but on some, some occasions, if the weather's where you're having a certain dish, we might want something that's richer. But we, we love diversity as, as human beings. And it's a shame when diversity begins to shrink. Yeah.
3: So on, the, on that note, like your, your ciders, so this query is 6.9%. Are you trying to hit a certain style or alcohol percentage, or are you just kind of just experimenting right now?
5: Still, still experimenting. Um, I want to keep the alcohol down to a dull roar. It's actually, it's actually closer to 6.5. That's a, a long story, but it's actually about mm-hmm. 6.5. Um, there's kind of a sweet spot. I think wines, for me, table wines, I like them at 13%, not 15 Ciders, I like in the in the lower range. Eric cider, I think is low. It's like four. It's four percent. It's a little bit sweet. But that's how he's, That's how he's able yeah. to, to get keep it at four percent. Mm-hmm. Balances it, everything. Balances. Where did you get? Yeah, I mean, you, you guys different. bought in these
3: ciders. Where did you buy the query and the? I might have actually already the winter Nellis Aster Center.
4: The winter Nellis, I think you got in California. I think yeah. we got the the query at Astor mm-hmm. and the. German cider, which we haven't tried at Astor. Mm-hmm.
5: Let's pop that. Yeah. Randall, so yeah. what avenues are you selling the cider through? The same distributors as your, as your wines? Well, we're, we're trying to sell it through our, our wine distributors. Wine distributors don't quite know what to do with cider. Um, beer distributors don't quite know what to do with our cider because it's a different price point. So it's, and I'm sure... Uh, Eric Bordelais has the same issue. It's kind of premium ciders at this very high level are kind of caught in never, in, in never, never land um, between beer and wine. There's, in one sense, it's a lot more like wine than like beer, but. Um, oh.
3: Cool. <laughs> well, I'm saying that where, um, like 20 years ago in wine, you had these little boutique wine distributors. The same thing's happening. Like the West County we're talking about from Massachusetts. The guy who distributes that in New York City owns a, a wine shop downtown, and he's distributing as well. Well, there's these two brothers running Rowan Imports, who have the largest selection of, of ciders in the whole city. And uh, you're right; the beer distributors can't handle it. Many wine distributors have one or two, right. one or two ciders. But that's what that's what's exciting again. I mean, cheers to that diversity! It's given a lot of little guys a chance to, you know, to get involved with cider. And people keep moving around too. Uh, Eden Cider, for example. It's 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 in demand. It's a nice cider. They made a nice dry. You got to try the dry, the champagne yeast mm-hmm. cider that she just made. Um, they keep bouncing around distributors, find the right fit, and it's kind of that's I like that as as a consumer. That's like the heyday where, where there's all these great opportunities.
5: We've been very fortunate to have Whole Foods um, take on the cider, and if, if it we're not for Whole Foods, we'd be we'd be up, in California. Up, well, throughout the country, oh, yeah? actually, nationally be up Cider Creek, as it were. <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure that's where I bought this, Perry. If um, there's the yeah. Witton Was it, a- oh, it was in Sonoma? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: How about a wrap-up? You guys each have one question for Randall. Because we're running out of time.
4: Well, I think my question probably requires a whole other episode. But I'd love <laughs> to hear, uh, hear what you have to say about terroir and palm fruit. Mm. Since you've spent so much time with wine grapes and terroir. Well,
5: I mean, the only thing I have to say about that is that... Um, I'm certain, I, I'm not an expert, but I'm certain that many of the same mechanisms uh, for expression of terroir in cider uh, obtain, as, as in grapes, and that is healthy soil microflora, so organically grown fruit mm-hmm. or biodynamically grown fruit, mm-hmm. very important, uh, healthy uh, microbial population in the soil. And then, of course, the other thing is irrigation, as in not irrigation. So you want mm-hmm. the plants to as- explore the largest possible soil mass to catch an impression if you will of the of the site. So drip irrigation is like growing plants in a flower pot. Plants are not stupid. If they they, they only produce roots where the water is and if the water is always in the same place, always in the same place, that's where they're going to grow their roots. So I don't think you can get a legitimate expression of terroir um, from irrigated fruit. Very
2: so there. interesting. All right. So my question... That could have been a whole other <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you're saying. It could be the follow-up show. a whole other episode. My question is a lot simpler than that. Oh, cool. That. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no, just because we've talked so much about um, blending, as you did in wine and, and now with cider. If you could only use one fruit to ferment and make a product, a cider, what would it be?
5: Oh, dear. Oh, uh, dear. You know, I don't, I don't know. There's a wonderful apple, uh, a wonderful pear variety that I'm, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of hoax for. It's called Rousselet de Reims. Mm. Rousselet de Reims. That seems mm-hmm. to be as close as I've found to a complete um, pear uh, for, for a single varietal uh, cider. Uh, Perry, I should say. Mm-hmm. Bartlets, of course, have wonderful aroma. There, mm-hmm. there aren't that many pears that have this intense pear aroma such as you have in the in the uh mm-hmm. um, so i think the rousselet is interesting and then of course there are a bunch of uh cider apples that i think could probably be standalones mm-hmm. quince you're going to go bankrupt because yeah. there ain't no, ain't no juice it
2: would taste wonderful it would taste bed. great <laughs> but it
5: would be, you'd
3: be ru- ruined you guys brought the sedonia from germany yeah. it, it's not coincidental
4: it has it's quince. Twenty-five exactly. percent fresh mm-hmm. quince. But I mean, cheese. you can recognize that quince aroma now a little bit in the mm-hmm. in the glass here from the query that there's a similarity in the.
3: It's a really nice tasting. We did perfume. side by side query mm-hmm. quince and German quince and the three different mm-hmm. uh, Perry expressions. Mm-hmm. So. Aaron Burr and both. I want to say Baudelaire. But Baudel- <laughs> Baudelaire. Baudelaire. Mm. Baudelaire. <laughs> and the Winter Nellis from Dim. This is pretty great. I really enjoyed enjoyed this. How about a, a, a final word, Randall? Because I know you're about to go on stage. Have, right, a, after having consumed six <laughs> bottles
5: of cider. We, we, yeah, we, great. Our job was to warm you up. <laughs> you <know? Yeah>. This <laughs> isn't really a radio I'm, show. I'm warm. I'm, I'm really warm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're advanced. Too. I'm advanced. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. What, I, what I'll what say about cider world, what I know of it, is that It reminds me a lot of the way the wine business was 25, 30 years ago. Still in its gestation period, and there's still a lot of enthusiasm and idealism, um, which is, unfortunately, a lot of that has vanished from the wine business. The wine business has become quite cynical in many respects. So I just love the fact that there's this still exuberance about the cider industry that's what's what's so exciting to me
3: and you're having fun just making quince and pear and heck yeah all right and uh gang k anything going on with the united states of cider blog
4: well we're hoping to do a few more shows with you and then and write about those do some more yeah. cider. sure session. so that we got a few coming up <laughs> this
3: will air in march and also later in march we'll have we'll be airing an irish craft cider show which is Another whole story we'll talk about afterwards, the resurgence of artisanal Irish craft cider. Mm-hmm. And uh, to wrap it up, I'd like to give thanks to Randall, Gay, and Kay for joining me here today on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
2: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org.